All right. Hey, welcome back to their episode of the Good Advice Podcast. You're tuning in to the best resource to teach you how to grow and scale your business. There's not a lot of fluff on this podcast. We just get into the good advice of what you need to know. Now, today we're going to be talking about probably one of the biggest pain points that I see business owners struggle with, and it's sales. A lot of times we're really gifted at what we do. It's why we're monetizing and selling that service, whatever it may be, but we're not always great in the sales conversation. And that's why today I want to talk about how to make sales not feel like sales, how to make it feel like something that you actually feel pretty good about. And what a shocker of a thought you may even enjoy all that and more is on today's episode. We're going to be diving in here pretty soon. Uh, before we do, though, we do always have a quick word from one of the sponsors of the podcast. Don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast and you want to promote your business on the podcast, you can always reach out, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com, or you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash goodadvice, uh, and you can support the podcast for as little as the price of a cup of coffee. So we're going to have a quick ad coming in here shortly, and then we're going to dive into the conversation. Don't go too far. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Running a business full-time includes so many things that you have to worry about that you frankly don't always have the time you need to think about your home. When that latest hailstorm hits and you're thinking about roof repairs, or maybe you're working on a new construction project and you got to call someone to build your roof, a lot of times as business owners, we're like, man, tell me who to call, tell me who I can trust, tell me who I can rely on so I don't have to worry about this, and instead I can focus on building my business. Well, that's why today I want to tell you about Boston Mountain Roofing. I've known their owner, Colby Thornburg, for several years now, and I have to tell you, these guys aren't like any other roofers. They do their job with absolute integrity, and they're absolutely interested in giving you a quality roof that, most importantly, is going to last. On top of this, we all know those contractors that you can never get a hold of. You never know when they're showing up on time. You're like, where is this person? And frankly, what's, you know, why is my bill just running up? That's not the case with Boston Mountain Roofing. They believe in showing up on time, getting the work done when they said they would, and most importantly, being totally transparent with the cost, all while giving you an incredible experience. So go to bostonmountainroofing.com to get a free quote or call 479-449-ROOF. That's 479-449-7663. I found myself feeling like one of those TV advertisements that's like, don't touch that dial with <laughs> before the ad came out, before the break. Uh, but I'm excited for today's episode. I'm, I'm wrapping up, uh, you know, I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but I'm wrapping up a month of some pretty significant sales revenue for the business. In fact, uh, last year in November and December, I had my two best months I've ever had. And then in February, I'm now closing out the month with 40% more sales than my previous record high. So it's kind of mind boggling. And it, it, it's kind of funny. You like, I don't know if I'm like just not very good at business or what have you, but you know, running a business for five years has been um, pretty excruciatingly difficult. It's been pretty challenging. Um, 
And I mean, it's a grind. You're grinding away, which I, I will say one of like the points of obnoxiousness is when I make a comment like that and someone's like, you know, it's not a grind. I love it. I'm doing what I love. And I'm like, okay, buddy. Yes. Yes. I, I am doing what I love. But um, if you ask any seasoned entrepreneur, none of us got into this necessarily to work, as my friend Galico said, working double the hours for half the pay. It's not necessarily what we envisioned when we started doing this. However, it it has been fun to see the business grow and evolve and to finally kind of take a deep breath. Oh, man, it this this business works. It puts money in the bank. It It's doing well. It's it's kind of a fun um, thought, I guess. So I will say when I think back to those early days of good advice and the hardest parts of the business versus today, I would tell you that the one thing I really had to lean into was sales. Now for me, and I've told the story a thousand times. So if you're a long time listener, you've probably heard this a million times. I really had a hard time early on with my business. I spent a lot of money in places that I probably shouldn't have. Um, I remember I really thought that a good business expense was just a lot of like digital ads and expensive marketing. And those things have a time and a place. But for me, I, and, and you know, it's funny how like sometimes you get these comments from people that are incredibly insightful, but you're not, you're not in a position to really internalize it. So I had a guy that I was, I was trying to find someone to hire to help me run digital ads for the business. And I got on this call with this guy and it, this was probably maybe like the fourth or fifth person I had talked to. And the other four people were like, yep, you know, sign this contract, you know, we'll work with you for six months, what have you, you know, whatever it is. Um, which in hindsight, I, I just realized how dangerous any of that would have been. It probably would have sunk me. Honestly, it would have been another contract that would have sunk me. Uh, it would have put dollars in a way I really didn't need to, but I get on this fifth call and I'm talking to this guy and he, and, and I'm really gelling with him and I'm, I'm getting pretty close to being ready to buy. Well, he says, Blake, do you, do you have an offer? And I'm like, yeah, I, I got an offer. And he's like, well, how many customers do you have? How many like, do you have validity of that offer that people want it? And I was like, yeah, you know, I got this customer. I got that customer. And we started talking through it. And he was like, Blake, I'm going to be honest. It, it, it sounds pretty flimsy. And my struggle is if you were to work with us, that it's, it's not a good fit. Because it sounds like you're still figuring out what exactly it is you sell, the outcomes you accomplish, the things that you do. And this person who I was, you know, naturally now I really want to buy from this guy. But we we went our separate ways and it it has always stuck with me two things. One, the the honesty of this person to who could have easily taken my dollar. But who said, you know what, Blake, I don't think it's the right time. And then secondly, this person who was insightful to my business to realize, hey, I, I think you might need a, you know, you're you're on step three of like scaling your brand. You think you're on step three, like you're doing the things that it's time to scale. Let's do digital advertising, yada, yada. But really, you're on step one. 
or you're on one and a half, like sub letter B of step one. Like you, you got some groundwork to lay still before you can do this. And I've never forgotten that. I thought this person really clued me in on something that I wasn't aware of. Similarly, I had another conversation with somebody early in the business. We talked a lot about sales and this guy was telling me the story of how for him to become a seven-figure business, he had to learn to love sales. His whole life, he had hated sales. He had avoided sales roles. He had had a... um like a cold call sales job that he despised. And when he started his business, he was really averse to sales. And he said the biggest thing that transformed his business was recognizing, being honest with himself that this is something I don't like, but if I want to take my business to the next level, I have to learn to embrace that flaw. Flaw is maybe not the right word. That thing I've avoided and learn to do it. I've got to learn to do it. And I think this is something that a lot of us as business owners can really resonate with in the sense of sometimes we we remove the nuance of what it means to actually run a business. We remove the complexity of running a business. And here's a good example of this. It would be like, okay, I'm not good at sales. And what I have found is people on social media or in other circles or what have you, they, well, you just need to hire a salesperson. Like, that's just what you need to do. And I was even in a meeting once where somebody was expressing that. They were saying, you know, I'm, I'm not great at sales. And some of the other people in the room were like, you just, you just need to hire a salesperson. And he was like, well, I, I don't have the cash. I'm not, I'm literally, you know, it's, it's a paycheck to paycheck kind of business. It's cycling through debt, trying to make ends meet, like, and, and I'll never forget this person who spoke up and, and this is not to knock anyone who's ever said this, but this person spoke up and she was like, you know, you're really having a limited mindset and you need to have a growth mindset. You need to hire this person. Uh, Cause that shows that you're open to opportunity. You're, you're signaling that you're open to what the universe has for you or what have you. So you need to, you just need to make that decision and hire a salesperson because you're not any good at it. And he was like, okay. And I'm kind of cringing at this whole thing. So I speak up and I'm like, Hey guys, like everyone kind of goes through this. He's a very young business owner, not in terms of age, but in terms of just starting out a very young business owner. He has a limited amount of cash. We know that at least 40% of businesses fail when they do fail. It's because of a lack of capital, a lack of cash. So rather than him throwing money at this and, and now evolving his business to now he's managing someone, instead of hiring a salesperson, he really just needs to learn into learning how to sell and getting out there and selling, learning more about his brand, learning more about how his customers, I'm, I'm making it sound like I made this all, I said this all so fluently. I didn't. Um, I, I more, I think I spoke up and was like, you know, hey, I think he's probably doing the right thing. He's probably, you know, on the right track. But we often like we cling to these motivational quotes and these expressions. Um, one another example is hire slow and fire fast. And some people like take that to to levels of extremism. I remember there's a business I worked with who their hiring process was almost a year in length, and they were very proud about that. And I was like, "You're not going to find anybody because the best talent they got picked up month two. You know this is this is insane." And like, well, you know, hire slow, fire fast. And I was like, 
Yeah. And, and even on the flip side, you have people who join you who aren't a great fit. And the complexity of business isn't, well, I got to fire fast. See you later. The complexity of business is you as the business owner, you have to now evaluate and make the decision on, do I think I can mentor and train this person and train them up into the level of skill set that I need or don't I? And if the answer is no, then you do let them go. But I have found in business, it's very rarely in a black and white, like, oh, they, they made a mistake. You're out of here. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. So I've noticed, like I said, that we, we, we oversimplify things in business and here, you know, a foot in my mouth, this whole podcast is all about simplifying business and making things smarter. Um, but I, all, this is all my disclaimer to point out that there's nothing inherently easy about sales. I do think there are tried and true natural salespeople, but more often than not, when I come across a struggling business owner, more often than not, sales is part of the conversation. There's a challenge in they're not making enough money. They're not happy with their overall revenue numbers. In fact, I think about I think about customers that I've had in the past, um, just in the last six months, customers I've had in the past, um, prospective customers who've come to me and said, you know, hey, what does it look like to work with good advice? I, I literally can't think of one of those where revenue wasn't a big piece of it in the sense of I want to grow my business. I want to make more money. I want to get to this certain point where maybe even I can work less and take home more. So it's come up quite a bit. So I, I want to talk today about really honing your craft of sales and ultimately getting your sales process to the point where it doesn't feel like sales anymore. Now, disclaimer, I've had to learn how to do sales with no sales background, never had any sales background, never had any, any formal sales training of any kind. I didn't even go to school. I didn't, I didn't go to the university for even anything business related. I'm, I'm a biology major, which was also, by the way, I'm 36, but when I was in like my mid to late twenties and I guess it would, be, would have been my late twenties and getting into a business and, you know, what's your story? You know, like, what's your, you know, where'd you get your MBA? And I, I never got one. Yeah. It's <laughs> probably a lot of great insights from an MBA that would be really helpful today, but never did it, never got it. So, um, everything I've learned has been just like boots on the ground. What's worked for me. Um, and chances are there's even some even smarter, better ways to do things that I'm blissfully unaware of, but I've had to learn sales from scratch. I've had to learn how to sell. I had to learn how to, um, connect with my buyer and ultimately to put the business on my shoulders and figure out how do I get this thing from point A to point B where it pays the bills. It, it doesn't just pay the bills, but it gets us enough cash to, go on vacation and enjoy life. And, you know, actually, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this is why we got into business. Right. So I've had to learn a lot and I, I want to talk about, there comes a point where sales no longer feels like sales. And I mean this in a good way where you become so good at selling that it doesn't even feel like selling. So if you're not super familiar with good advice, we have you know, one of our like probably best known locally things about us is we're a we're a one-on-one -on -one consulting company. 
you know, let's, let's work with your business. Let's figure out what's going on and let's, let's figure out what levers need to get pulled to get you to where you want to go. Um, I have some customers though, who it's like, okay, I see these levers need to get pulled, but I don't want to pull them. Can you just pull them for me? So we do have a couple of done for you things that we do for our customers. One of them is SDO. And I've, I've told the story about how we kind of got into that. Um, I guess a couple of years ago now, the other one is funny enough, uh, podcasting it's businesses that are scaling their brand and they want to do it through podcasting. We want to grow our business and we feel like podcasting is the future. So we do a lot of work with customers on that front as well. Well, I was on a call with somebody never met this guy before. It's a business, um, just chatting with this business owner, talking about podcasting and he's just asking about podcasting. He's just curious about, you know, how podcasting works and, um, didn't know, didn't seem to know like a, a deep history of podcasting, just like, yeah, we like podcasting. We want to do a podcast. We have a, we've even like done some episodes on the podcast, yada, yada. And I was just chatting. I was just talking about really my five-year journey and, um, you know, talking about some things that are just generically true about podcasts. Um, and, and this is by the way, this is where I don't know if I'm a great salesperson because there are people out there who I, I just think are. Well, I do actually, I do know I'm a decent salesperson. Um, I do know that my integrity is really important and there are some great salespeople out there. Great, not meaning morally great, (laughs) great, meaning they close a lot of sales where they know how to manipulate people. And I think, I think that's where we've gotten cross in our sales understanding is I think the right way to do sales is through connection and through trust and through, um, transparency on if I'm even the right fit for you or not. I was on a call with a guy a few weeks ago who was looking for some help for his business. And I said from the get-go, hey, I don't know if I'm the right fit for you. I don't know if I'm the guy. And as we talked more, I was like, I might be the guy. It sounds like I might be the guy, but I don't know if I'm the guy. Now, for some salespeople, that would be a wild thing to say. A lot of people, it's the ABC, you know, always be closing. Yes, we can do that for you. It's kind of the stereotypical You've probably seen like memes about this. Maybe you even worked in a business like that where um, the running joke in the office is the sales guy said we could do what, you know, um, the sales division promised what to the customer. Are you crazy? We can't deliver that. You know, it's the salesperson who over promises and under delivers. But um, getting back to my story, I was on LinkedIn today and I saw a post. This is like if you checked out my previous episode on trending business scams, um, this is so like, this is like the playbook that is so easy. Like once you understand it, you will see it the same way every single time. It's it's always the same way. And what I saw on LinkedIn today was this post and it was some, and it's, I guess, I guess, as I do the podcast, I get the, the algorithm feeds me a lot of podcast related content. Well, some, some person popped up on my feed. I'm not following this person. Just, it just popped up on the feed. And this guy said, um, I guess he was like a podcast consultant and it was, you know, how my customer, um, went from zero to $350,000 in 30 days by starting a podcast. Now understand something for a second here. If Jeff Bezos started a podcast, it is likely he could generate $350,000 in revenue in a month from it. His brand is so insanely far-reaching that he could literally, he could revive a MySpace account and probably make money on it. Like that's how massive 
these billionaires brands are, you know, Elon Musk, whoever, like that's just the reach you and I though. And this random no name person included in this post, that's not going to happen. This is always a tough, sometimes it's, it's just a tough truth for people that I work with where when we talk about transparency in business, and someone comes to me and says, hey, Blake, I want to start a podcast. Uh, I want to monetize a podcast. One of the first things I tell them is, if you're looking to make money podcasting, you should probably do something else. And second, if you still really want to make pot money podcasting, you should plan for a year without anything before you ever make a dollar on it, just to be safe. Why? Because it takes time to build your tribe. It takes time for you to find really your podcast voice. I don't mean like literal voice. I mean like figuring out what your show is about. Like we all go, it's not unlike starting a business. We all go into something with like a crystal clear perspective on what we think it is. And then once we get into it, whether that's through our own um, interactions with people or like customer feedback or whatever, whatever, what have you, excuse me, it, it evolves over time. It just does. It takes on a life of its own. Very common. It just happens. So you need time for you to figure out even what the podcast is. And frankly, you know, podcasting is not for everyone. Um, I, I typically, once people get around to like episode five or six, they kind of have an idea of if they even like this. A lot of people are like, I was actually on a call with a, uh, I was having coffee with a friend of mine who was going to start a podcast and we chatted through it. And I was talking about like kind of all the things that I think about. And finally I was like, yeah, so what do you think? And he was like, I don't think I want to start a podcast. And I was like, I don't think you want to start a podcast either. Doesn't sound like you even really like it that much. <laughs> so it's a big commitment, you know, and that's besides the point. But um, I tell people transparently from the get go, hey, if you're going to start a podcast, um, let's get into it a little bit before you start dreaming about making 350K in a month. Getting back to the story, though. It's this post that goes up, you know, hey, here's how my customer went from zero to 350K in one month. And you, you just got to know it's total BS. It's not true. And, and it is, are there situations where it's the exception, not the rule? Of course. Um, I told my neighbor, he started his business and I said, hey, just know it's going to take time. And five days later, he had Switchfoot, the band, as a customer. He was like, dude, you'll never, you, you won't believe this, how this happened. And I was like, how did it happen? Like, it was just, it was a beautiful example of serendipity. I hope that happens for you and your business. For the rest of us, more often than not, a successful business is more about diligence and consistency than it is flash in the pan, stroke of luck, stroke of genius, what have you. But so I'm on this sales conversation and I could have very easily been, you know, oh, you got a podcast. Hey, well, guess what, man? We can we can monetize and scale this thing where it's generating this much money. And here's a here's a customer I had who, you know, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yada yada. I could have gone that route um, to excite this person, to play on their emotions, to get them thinking about the big piece of pie. And you know, don't you want that? Aren't you excited for that? You know, and that's kind of where like some of sales gets kind of gross. Where Someone shows hesitation and the salesperson's like, uh, and again, only because I've just, I've just followed these trends for so long. It's easy for me to spot it, but people, uh, you know, it's, it's not unlike the, oh, you know, you don't have a growth mindset. Like you're not willing to change you know, all this kind of stuff that again, it's designed to manipulate the, the buyer. 
Well, I didn't do that. Instead, I just said, yeah, you know, this is kind of what you can expect. This is what it looks like. Um, This is what growth is typically what it looks like. Um, Here are the things that I know really well. Here's the things that I don't know really well that I'm figuring out. And and I kind of just presented it as like, I'm, this is my industry and I'm learning every day and I'm honing my craft. And, you know, I know this really well. I don't know this really well. And if we're going to collaborate, you know, here's, here's like the, the deliverables that are really easy to promise. Here's the ones that I'm not sure about. And, and by the way, this isn't, this also isn't unlike the conversation on SEO. You see this happen in the SEO world quite a bit where the slimy salesperson says, well, yeah, of course, of course I can get you to number one ranking. I can do that in 30 days. And as, um, at our Tuesday morning growth group, somebody joked, uh, they were like, yeah, you're number one on like some crazy long tail term, which long tail we talk about is, um, uh, it, it's like the several word term. Um, so, you know, you're number one, you run a bakery and you're not number one for like bakeries in Northwest Arkansas. You're number one for, uh, bakeries that offer a croissant with early morning hours before 7 a.m. in Northwest Arkansas, which no one would search that, but you get the idea. You know, it's like a, a hyper, it's like, Hey, I said, you'd be number one. But it was like, yeah, but you basically lied. Like, let's be real. So whenever someone comes to me for SEO, I had a, a business reach out last week that was like, hey, we, we need some SEO help. Uh, I was very transparent and said, yeah, here's, here's what you got to know. You're, you are in a crazy hyper competitive industry, a hyper competitive industry. You need to know your competitors. Uh, your biggest competitors are likely spending X amount of dollars per month on SEO and digital advertising. Like, and, and I don't even offer digital advertising. I don't do it because, and that's a whole nother can of worms where, you know, digital marketers listening would probably throw something at me, but I, I've just, I've just from experience, I've spent a lot of money in digital advertising and I've spent a lot of my customers dollars in digital advertising. And I've just, I've become less and less excited about it in terms of um, the direction of your business, but that's neither here nor there. And again, for the digital marketers listening, um, I love you. Please don't hate me. So anyway, but I, I was in a conversation and I just said, Hey, it's a hyper competitive industry. Your competitors are spending more money than you probably have the budget for. Um, so if you're going to peel off dollars for this, this is what it would look like. These are some of the outcomes that it would look like. Here's what kind of the process would. Now, here's some things that I know for sure we can accomplish with you. Um, but if your, if your goal is number one on Google for this term for your industry, if your goal is number one on Google in the next 30 days, I'm not the right fit for you. In fact, someone else probably is. And just being totally candid, they're going to cost way more than I'm going to cost. So I try to be transparent. I try to be honest. And in this conversation prior regarding the podcast, you know, I was just talking about the podcast. I was talking about, you know, here's some things that are true. And it struck me, we're about 15 minutes into the conversation and I haven't, you know, like when you're in a conversation and you go into sales mode, right? You're, you're making small talk and someone like signals that they're interested. And so you, it's like, you have the, the drawer, the sales drawer, and you're like, you know, hurriedly open it up and you're like, oh, well, yes, actually, um, we're, we're a consulting company that can do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, you give like the spiel or what have you. Well, I resisted the temptation to do that, or I don't say temptation. I wasn't tempted. I, I didn't even think about it, but I, I think I've at this point gotten so habitual to avoid pulling out that drawer. But this guy we're talking and he says, wow, he goes, wow, well, Blake, you're saying all the right things. 
And it struck me how odd that was in the sense of, I thought I'm saying all the right things. And yet I haven't thought about what I'm saying. There wasn't a script I was reading. There wasn't like, you know, and and by the way, some of you salespeople who are like, this is like probably the worst example of this. Someone, someone was telling me about how for their sales process, they try to have chat GPT open so they can like, you know, there's the object here. What do I say to this? And I'm like, guys, you, you, we've, we've got to stop. AIing our way through life. Like you're just going to have to learn how to have a conversation, right? Nothing wrong with chat GPT. Again, I always give this disclaimer because if people feel like I dunk on it so much, I, I have a premium subscription. I like chat GPT, but it's a tool. It's not the thing. Uh, it's not the bread and butter for your business. But so I, I just was having a conversation. I was just talking with the guy and he, he said, man, you're saying all the right things. Well, I ended up closing that deal. We got a little bit of work. Um, I did a good job with with that little bit of work that led to a lot more work and has ended up being a pretty incredible customer for my business. So let's reverse engineer this. Let's think this backwards. What were the steps that had to happen for me to close that sale? And more importantly, for you, what does it mean for you in your business? What needs to happen for you to have the easy sale and for you to sell without feeling like you're having to sell. I think a number of things have to happen. There's some conceptual things that have to happen, and there are some very nitty-gritty things that need to happen. Let's start with just the nitty-gritty stuff, the, just a very easy check-the-box that I think everyone on the podcast who's listening now, you probably already have this covered. But the nitty-gritty stuff is you have to do your research on the customer you're talking to. And for me, it's less about stalking them and knowing all their details. For me, it's it's just being a an intentional human being. People who know me, who have known me long term, know that I I value being genuine. Uh, and when I sit down with someone, I try to have an actual conversation rather than go through like a sales script or what have you. So I sit down. What do you do for a living? I was talking to a guy this morning. He said, yep, I'm a cook, work for the VA. And I say, oh, cool. What do you like to cook? Yeah, I mean, like, here's and here's what's so weird about this. Like, I'm it's like I'm actually on the podcast explaining how do you have a conversation with someone? But like, I've if you've probably been to a lot of networking events where like someone, it's like they didn't even register at all, you know? So you say, like, um, you say, like, uh, you know, what brought you to Northwest Arkansas? Oh, well, you know, my father was sick. Oh, okay, yeah. Hey, so, you know, what do you what do you like to eat? And it's like, okay, you missed, this person just signaled vulnerability or signaled uh, a personal detail. Um, oh, I'm so, you know, and so, but it's wild how people just move past that. They go to, like, the next question in their mind. Um, and I remember doing this when I was a camp counselor, like, years ago, just trying, I was trying to kill time. And so I'd be talking to like some of the campers or the kids and I'd be like, Hey, where are you from? And be like, Oh, I'm from uh, hot Springs. Oh, that's cool, man. Rock on. You play any sports? Yeah, I play basketball. Oh, cool. Well, where are you from? And I'd ask the question again and you could see them kind of like looking at me weird, like, uh, I'm still from hot Springs, but like, I was just moving through the script in my mind. I was just like, okay, yeah, yeah. This, here's the next question. We do this often. We do this all the time in our sales conversation. It's like, let me just get through, let me check the boxes, you know, hey, how are you? Where are you from? Do you have any kids? You know, what do you enjoy? Where do you like to eat? Yeah. And we never, it's like, it's like sometimes when I'm talking to my daughter, who's a four-year-old, sometimes I say, Hey, look, look at look at my eyes. Cause I, I want to have a connection with her. When I'm talking to her, I'm like, hey, look at me for a second. 
we make eye contact and then I talk to her, put your shoes on. <laughs> we have to go. Or it's, it's, Hey, how was your day? What was going on today? Hey, yeah. What? So you said you had a dream. What was the dream? About? Oh, that's great. Wow. Hey, look at me. So tell me more. You know what? I'm, I'm trying to teach her to understand connection and intentionality and genuineness. These are words that get plastered all over the internet. And yet few people are actually thinking about it. Right. But so you, you have to have your basic, you have to be able to have a conversation with someone, first of all. And, you know, someone says, oh, I'm a, I'm a chef at the VA. Oh, what do you like to cook? Uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really like to cook anything. You know, I, it's, I, I work a ton. And so when I get home, I'm not really looking to cook anything. Okay. So what's, what's your go-to, um, what's your go-to cheat meal, your go-to warm it up kind of meal? And the guy says, oh, you know, they're kind of gross, but SpaghettiOs. Dude, I love SpaghettiOs. Every, my wife thinks I'm disgusted. I, it's like, you're so gross. But I'm like, hey, 80 cents a can. You cannot beat the value on the and And you know what? A lot of, rest, a lot of restaurants, a lot of places, they've, they've changed their recipe over the years. But SpaghettiOs taste the same. Tastes like childhood. You know, it's like getting the dino nuggets. It tastes the same. It's just good. But so you make a connection with someone. You're making, you're, you're having an honest and actual, I mean, what a wild concept, right? Like, again, I can't believe I'm having to explain this on a podcast, um, but we all know the people who don't do that, where you're just like, okay, it's a miss. And on that note, you need to know the bare minimum about the person you're talking to. I never go into a sales, I don't want to say a sales conversation. I never go into a conversation with at least knowing who's this person, like their literal name. I say that because I've been in meetings where someone calls me by the wrong name or, um, you know, I had someone who emailed me today who said, Hey, Ben's Ben's is my last name. So, Hey, Ben's how's it going? And I thought if, if you just spent eight seconds, you know, that Ben's isn't my last name. Blake is my first name or Ben's is my last name. Ben's isn't my last is my first name. I'm getting confused on even saying this. You would have known that Blake is my name if you had spent any amount of time. And I get this too when I get emails where over the years I've had things like good gear hockey instead of good advice or, you know, some like different iterations of good advice. And I'm like, hey, the business is just called good advice. You can go to the website to see that. It's literally in my bio on LinkedIn. It's very easy to find. Or my favorite, I got this message from someone who said, hey, Blake, you've ever heard about starting, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? And it was a sales message. They said, Blake, you ever, have you ever thought about, actually the, the whole message, what it was, was, you know, Blake, your content is so amazing. Your profile is so impressive. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Now you can know this is a canned message. We all get these DMs constantly. You're so impressive. Wow. You know, it's, 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 it's someone read a sales book somewhere about like, you know, play on their ego, what have you. But literally my tagline or my subtitle, whatever on LinkedIn is the good advice podcast. So you haven't checked out my profile. You haven't spent the five seconds it would have taken to know the bare minimum. So these, these are the nitty gritty details, but, and I, I I don't want to oversimplify them because when you don't do them, I mean, you, there's no way you're making the sale when you don't do them, but they're nitty gritty and they're easy. They're freebies. They're so free. So free. It's the easiest thing you can do is to just know a couple of tiny, teeny details. Um, 
that allow you to be just one step more intentional in your conversation. So that's the easy stuff. So if you're not doing that stuff, you're you're not going to see traction in the sales world. It's not going to happen. Okay. Getting into the more nuanced things. First of all, you you have to be talking to the right person. I think sometimes we are really hard on ourselves from a sales perspective because we're simply talking to the wrong person. You know, if you are someone who you sell, you paint houses and you find yourself in a conversation with someone who just painted their house or they have, they're very happy with the paint on their house. In what world do you really think you're going to convince them to hire you to paint their house? Now, there are some Wolf on Wall Street-esque people out there who think that that's a challenge. It's, you know, I can get them, you know, they're going to be paying they're going to be paying me to paint their house and then to paint it again the next week. You know, it's this real obnoxious salesmanship that it's, you know, for me. And maybe this is just my personality. When someone's like, I don't need that. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I, I don't even, it's not even personal for me. It's like, okay, cool. You don't need it. Now, there there are people I've talked to over the years who I realize what they think they want is not actually what they want. And so as we have a conversation, it's like, okay, I hear you saying this, but you know, if I can offer another perspective, it sounds like you might need this, you know? And so, you know, having those conversations happen, but you got to talk to the right people. I learned this really early on in my business because I really resonated with the idea of starting a business. So I, I found myself in sales conversations with people who were just starting out or they had an idea, but they hadn't actually started the business. They hadn't actually gotten any customers or made any sales. And I really had a hard time that first year. I really had a hard time with it. And I got in a conversation with someone about this and he said, Blake, why are you selling to people who have no money? Which some people start a business with money. They have, they have the cash on hand. They're ready to invest. But a lot of people are full of a lot of great ideas and they don't really know where they want to take the business. So I was essentially forcing this round peg into a square hole, trying to grow my business with people who just weren't good customers. This guy that I was on the conversation with about the podcast, he had he was already bought in on the idea of a podcast. For him, it was less, do I want to do a podcast or not? It was, is Blake the right guy for it or not? Is good advice the right company to collaborate with or not? Now, fortunately, um, because we were well aligned from the get-go, that made the conversation really easy. And I, I think I think the hard thing about this is when you're young in business, young meaning the age of your business, not the age of you. When you're young in your business, you are so strapped on cash. Usually you haven't built up the pipeline. You don't have consistent cash flow. You know, you don't have consistent customers coming in, maybe. So when you're first starting out, you feel the pain point of I need to pay my bills. And so the temptation is to take those customers, you know, I, yeah, I'll, I can do that. Yeah, let's come work with me. Like, hey, you do need that. Let me tell you why. But what I can tell you is that these customers typically cause an immense amount of pain long term. And when you look at one star reviews, a lot of one star reviews, it's pretty rare that it's a business that's just a horrible business. A lot of times it's misaligned customers. The experience that you thought you were getting is not what we offer, or I'll do you one better. I'll tell you a story about 
the company that um, hired me to work with their business, we're very, Good Advice is a very digital brand. We, we talk a lot about things digitally. And I was hired by a customer who does not do digital, does not even have internet at his business. Uh, he does carbon copy. We were misaligned from the get-go. Now, in that case, I wasn't strapped for cash. It, it wasn't like, I need the money, so I'll work with you. Um, I was actually doing pretty well. But I just, it, objectively speaking, we were misaligned from the get-go. But I thought, yeah, I can help. Yeah, I'd be a good fit. Let's do it. Wasn't a good customer. Did not work out for either of us. We kind of both got on a phone call at one point, and we were both like, this isn't really working for either of us. I think we probably just need to walk away from this. So you got to know, you got to you got to verify that someone is a good customer. They're the right person to be talking to before you even get get into the conversation. Some people do that just with like some very basic uh, validifying questions. Like when someone calls me and they're wanting to hire me, I typically ask questions like, um, "Okay, well, what what do you sell, and how much of it have you sold?" Just just to get a sense of of where their business is. So I had a woman who called me. Um, probably about a year ago, maybe several months ago. She said, yeah, I sell these journals. And I said, okay, well, how many have you sold? And she said, I've sold 12. And I said, okay, 12 like this week. And she's like, no, I've sold 12 in three years <laughs> or however many long, how old the business was. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not the right fit for you. Right. I, you know, I'm not a life raft. I'm not a, there's nothing I can say that's going to make you go from 12 journals sold to a million sold. There's nothing I can do, you know? Um, I can provide some pretty good insights, but long-term there, there's not a lot I can, I can do. My dog is suddenly going crazy, by the way, as is tradition when I'm recording a podcast episode anyway. So you can ask these, these validifying questions. Uh, I had a, 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 a business owner who asked about advertising on the podcast and I get this question a lot, by the way, of like, Hey, yeah, I want to advertise on the podcast. Uh, and I typically ask like, what are your goals? What's your goals for advertising? What do you, where do you want to see it go? Which sounds like a bit of a, a silly question. Cause I mean, everyone who advertised, I mean, they're trying to draw a connection between um, what it is I sell and the person who's going to buy it. Uh, but I typically ask people um, what's your goal for advertising and uh, what's your revenue look like? What I've found is, excuse me. <laughs> I asked that question. And I also, by the way, try to give the price up front so that they know I'm not, um, like tweaking my price based on what the revenue number is, which it's rare that someone thinks that, but I just don't want someone to think that. So I might ask like, Hey, what's your revenue? And what I've found is people who tell me something like, uh, you know, my revenue is about 40 to 50 K a year, pretty small business. You know, it's, it's maybe a really great side hustle or they're maybe in their first year, what have you. So they say, Oh, I'm, I'm only doing about 50 K a year. Those are people that I, I typically say, you know what? I don't know if the advertisement is good for you because often what happens, and this is not unlike the business consulting side of things, there's a band of people who reach out who want help because they're desperate and they are desperately looking for what will save their business. And I've been in these conversations where someone's like, Hey, I need some help. Here's where I am. And, you know, they're making 30 K a year and it's like, and I said this earlier, I'm not a life raft. There's nothing I can say. Like you have to still run your business. You're not paying me to take over the business. You still have to run the business. Now, 
I can help guide you through concepts of scale and like, let's pull this lever and like, we'll pull this lever for you and what have you. But ultimately it's your business. What I have found is businesses that do hundred K or more are really great sweet spots for me. They, they've made, they've ended up being really great customers over the years. Um, in terms of podcast advertising, uh, they've been great customers. And part of that is understanding that those business owners typically value brand and the long game more than they do the short form of things. It's like the person who posts once on social media and then they're mad because that one post didn't go viral. That's a pretty naive business owner. More often than not, the seasoned business owner is going to see the value of the long game more than that desperate business owner. So all that to say, there are certain values, there's certain things that I know work really well with my customers. And I'm often trying to find out in those conversations, are we aligned? So like going back to the podcast situation, someone's calling me, hey, we need some help with our podcast. Okay, what are your goals with the podcast? Well, you know, we want to be number one on YouTube, uh, you know, in three weeks. And we want the podcast. The podcast is generating $0 right now. We want it to be generating 100K by the end of the year. Okay, are you are you getting any advertising on YouTube? Do you have any ads, um, any uh, advertisers lined up? Do you have an offer? Are you sending people through your episodes to an offer? Like, hey, go to this page, buy this, yada, yada. Like, is any of that happening? No, we're not doing any of that. You know, and we don't even have a YouTube channel. Okay. Well, that's cluing me in that me and this person are probably misaligned. Now, what I will try to do then is educate them and inform them on, hey, here's, here's what a more realistic window would look like, what a more realistic timeline would look like, but more importantly, let's help fix your expectations on this process. And sometimes people are just naive. They just don't know. They're not sure. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Other times people are like, oh, well, then you're not a good fit. I'm gonna go find somebody else. And those people are, frankly, they're doing you a favor. They're doing you a favor. They're saving you time. They're saving you pain. And they're probably saving you the one-star review they would have given you when you didn't deliver on the insane expectation they had from the get-go. So you, you, you have to, when you talk to someone, you have to figure out, are we aligned? Are we on the same page? And then the other part of it too, from a sales perspective is you got to know your craft. You got to know your business. And again, I hate saying things that are, are kind of like, duh, where it's like, well, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you? But you can just tell when you get into a conversation with someone and you can tell they, they aren't passionate about it. They don't know it. You know, you're asking some nuanced questions and they're like, ah, I'm not, let's go to chat GPT. I, I, I mean, again, dunking on chat GPT again, you know, you can just tell when someone isn't really quite sure about their craft. My advice would be you have to, I don't want to say fake it till you make it. Like there is a level of like, I don't know as much as I need to, but I'm not necessarily going to scream that like, I don't know what I'm doing, but on the same token, it, you have to deliver on what you promise. So fake it till you make it only go so far. You have to have to love what you do and you have to learn everything there is to know about what you offer. I work in the business world in the world of entrepreneurship 
And before that, I got a degree in biology because I was pre-med. I thought I was going to go be a doctor. I'd grown up watching ER. I liked scrubs. And I thought, yeah, this looks pretty fun. I'm going to do this. Funny enough, I shadowed a doctor my senior year of college and realized I hate this. I don't like this at all. But I had a friend of mine who she was like, I was telling her I wasn't going to be a doctor. And she said, yeah, I'm not too surprised. And I was like, really? And she was like, I mean, you never really talk about it. She said, I mean, do you, do you read like medical stuff? Like, I don't know if there's like medical magazines, but <laughs> she was like, do you have like any magazines or like things that are like about this kind of stuff? Like, do you, do you, in your spare time, do you like that kind of stuff? And I was like, no, I don't at all. Flash forward, you know, 20 years. Um, I love business. I'm, I'm constantly on different business subreddits. I'm constantly reading about it. When I see a headline, it takes everything in me not to like make a video right then and there to talk about it. Um, I, I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm in conversations, not just with customers, but with people about business all the time, several times a week on the podcast, off the podcast, over coffee, um, through DMs, you know, voice memos, voice chats, you know, talking through things like it, I love it. I really do. I enjoy it. It's, it is a hobby that I have found a way to make money off of. So because I spend so much time on this, when I get into a sales conversation, someone's talking to me about a pain point that they have. In many cases, I know exactly what they're going through. Not only have I lived it, but I've talked to and worked with a number of other businesses who've also lived it. So when we talk these things through, I have spent time investing myself in my craft to be an expert. I have found that over the years, people are so keen to call themselves an expert when they haven't put in the time. They haven't. And, and that's not a gatekeep. That's not, oh, you need to do 10 years before you're an expert. That, that is people who are shortchanging the process. They took a course or I was given, I was given someone a hard time because they were like, yeah, I'm a, I'm going to become a digital marketer. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? They're like, well, that's cool. I'm doing this certification online and then I'm going to be officially a digital marketer, which, you know, I thought it was kind of cute. Cause I thought, you know, no one cares about that certification, but you know, sure. And you know, so many people are keen to skip steps and like, I'm this now, this is what I do. And instead of understanding that, you know, you really lean into your craft and you become it's like the master electrician who, um, I mean, geez, I had this weird thing at my old house where, uh, this house we had bought where the breakers were tripping and I couldn't figure out why it was the weirdest thing. Like nothing made sense. And this guy, he'd been an electrician for 30 years and he came in and he walked around, he looked around and he said, you know, you might have something getting plugged in that's causing it to, and I don't mean like overcharging the breakers. Cause he was like the, the load is small. He said, have you bought anything like from like a pawn shop, like an AC cable or something? Because it honestly looks like something is shorting out your breaker. It's tripping the breaker. Um, something that it's just not a high quality thing. And I was like, no, everything's fine. So he went through and he replaced every single light bulb. He was like, maybe it's a bad light bulb. Did that. Didn't fix it. Anyway, the guy leaves. Um, we never we never solved the problem, but it was fine. It was like, all right, whatever. And I was kind of suspicious even of like, does this guy know what he's talking about? So about a week goes by and we're still having this problem, by the way, where the breaker's just tripping. My wife, she's, she's sitting at the dinner table. She's on her laptop. Um, she's on her laptop. She has her power cable, you know, spooled up on the table. It's, dra it's draping over the side, plugged into the wall. And I have this light bulb moment. 
her power cable had died. Her Apple power cable had died. And only weeks before we had ordered a replacement one on Amazon. And we, we didn't want to pay for like the Apple one. Cause it was like a hundred bucks for the AC cable, but we could get one for like 20 bucks on Amazon or whatever it was. So we had got it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I think it's your power cable. This knockoff power cable. So we bought like the official Apple one and it blew my mind. It solved the problem. The issue was what this electrician said it was a 30 year veteran electrician who knew exactly what the problem was. You can't search a blog on that. It's not going to, it's such a nuanced thing. The blog's not going to pull it up. You can't put that into chat GPT. You know, it's, it's, it's something that deep appreciation for your craft and experience lends itself to your sales game will drastically change. The more you engage yourself in your craft, you learn it, you become passionate about it. Doesn't mean you have to, you don't have to even love it. I don't think, but you have to like it enough to spend time with it, to focus on it and to work on it so that when you find yourself in a sales conversation, people know that you know your stuff. And then the last thing to make sales easy is when someone tells you they need your help, you have to offer your help. You have to make the sale. You have to make the sale and say, I can help you with that. I can do that for you. Yes, I'm the right fit for you. I'll never forget I was in a conversation with somebody and I, I, we were trying to figure out if I needed to hire this person or not. And I said, well, hey, so do I need to hire you? And he goes, uh, I don't know, maybe. And I was like, come on, man. The answer has to be yes. You have to say yes to that. When someone tees you up, you got to say yes. And what I've found over the years is that even with myself is we get so averse to sales. I don't want to be the slimy salesperson. I don't want to, oh no, I don't want to. When someone needs help in an area that you know how to help, and they're not making an offhand comment. They're legitimately saying like, I need help with this. You, if you do that, hey, I can help with that. Stop waiting for people. Like I've learned that it's rare that someone will come to you and like hold you by the shoulders and say, I want to hire you. More often than not, people are signaling, they're saying, they're like, I need help with this. You know, I don't really know. And they're waiting for you to be confident enough to say, Yes, I do that. I can help you with that. I'm the right fit for that. You know, and 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 getting over like the humility side. And here's the deal. I love humility. I try to be humble. But if they're using a competitor of yours that's crummy, you know, you don't have to be you're not the brand manager, you're not the PR person for them. It also doesn't mean you need to like dunk on them and like trash them. But you know, you could say, Hey, that's great. I'm glad you're working. I'm glad you found someone so far. Let me tell you about kind of my approach and why I think that, um, I'm a great fit or why good advice, you know, how we do things differently from some other businesses. Uh, and then it's the focus is back on you. The focus is back on you and how you are going to help this customer, but you have to learn to have an appetite to ask for the sale. And there's times where you'll ask for the sale and you read the person wrong and they're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I didn't actually, I didn't really want help, but, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, well, there you go. Uh, and then there's other times where someone's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know, send over the contract. Let's make it happen. 
And there have just, I've just over the last year, even my biggest sales, honestly, my biggest sales are the ones that I frankly haven't even really tried that hard for in the sense of I, I turned off the playbook. I deprogrammed the sales side of me and I just had a conversation. So if you're struggling with sales, I would think through these things and you might be surprised how much you might even enjoy sales when you remove some of the complexity of it. Hey, that's today's episode. Longer episode today. We got into it a little bit. Um, Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, Those of you who support the podcast, thanks so much for helping me, uh, allowing me to continue doing this thing that I love. Um, We'll continue bringing you good advice. If you're not subscribed or following the podcast or you haven't left us a review, what the heck are you waiting on? Um, Give us some love. Follow us and leave us a review. You can do that on the podcast or on our Google profile here in Northwest Arkansas. You can just search Good Advice LLC. All that to say, I appreciate you. I wish you well. Let's go make some good money and do some good things with it. So uh, that's all I got. That's today's good advice. I'll catch you later. See ya.